1: Sorry about your damn
2: luck. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
0: Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 91, and it's about the themes of Chris Sabin. And today I am joined by someone making her triumphant return to the program. Uh, She's one of the hosts of Sarah and Sarah, as well as one of the hosts of Journey Through Gorilla Island. It's Sarah Flannery. Hello, Sarah.
2: Hello, Andrew. Thanks for having me back on. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Oh, yeah. It's great to have you back on, for sure. For sure. Um, Last time you were on was a few years ago for the uh, Golden Lovers episode, and uh, a lot's changed since then, that's for sure. Um, but how are you doing right now? How are you holding up with this uh, this current hellscape we're all living in?
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm doing okay. I think I've left my house maybe ten times in the past few months, and besides going to the shops and stuff, but you know, still here. I'm lucky no one's you know experienced this awful disease, and just hoping things can go relatively back to normal soon. But at least we have some wrestling to get us through, right?
0: I suppose, yeah. Um, the the quality of said wrestling has been a bit uh, a bit shaky, let's say. But uh, you know, we got Hiromu wrestling, we got Shingo wrestling, and uh, we got you know Chris Saban wrestling. So it's not all bad, Sarah. Thankfully.
2: That's to be honest. That's all I need. So I'm happy out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Sarah, today we are indeed discussing the themes of uh, one of our favorite wrestlers, Chris Sabin, uh, one half of the Motor City Machine Guns tag team with Alex Shelley. And they're also the current Impact tag team champions. Uh, they won the belts a few months ago. And the reason we're talking about Chris Sabin now is because of some uh, lovely synergy on my part. Uh, I have begun a new mini series at VoicesOfWrestling.com called "A September of Sabin which is a series of articles where I look at five Chris Sabin matches uh, in his career, a new one each week over the month of September, uh, hence a September of Sabin. There you go. And as of this recording, the first one is already out. Um, I believe when this actually drops, the next one will have dropped as well, uh, but I'm not 100% sure exactly. But, um, you know, the reason I wanted to do a September of Sabin is because you know, quite simply, I wanted to focus on Chris Sabin and, and remind people just how great he is as a wrestler. Because I feel like, you know, he doesn't really get enough love. Even though the Guns themselves are considered to be, you know, one of the best tag teams in modern wrestling by a lot of people, I think, you know, Chris Sabin the individual, does not really get as much love as the whole of the team. And there are reasons for that, of course, I think. But uh, do you feel that way, Sarah? That Sabin, you know, as good as he is, is uh, still underrated, maybe by people.
2: I really do. I think for me, he's one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time, and I think people don't take into account how much he's done. Like, I people don't remember the early days of PNA from like two thousand and three to like two thousand and six, where he was one of the top guys. You know, people mention AJ and Joe and Daniels as the premier X Division guys, and I think they leave Saban out a lot of the time, which is quite sad. And I suppose Alex Shelley is regarded to revolutionising indie wrestling from the way people dress to their entrance music to even hairstyles. And like that's pretty rough to go up against when you're teaming with a guy. But I think Saban with his explosive moveset and just... I think his approach was always a lot more just calmer than Shelley. But for those reasons, I think he kind of didn't mind being in the shadow but he deserves as much love and credit as I think, as, as all those top guys. And he's really underrated, and I will always vouch for saving over anyone, anytime I can get.
0: I think a big part of it is injury, too. You know, like when you suffer, you know, three ACL tears within the span of a decade, that's going to affect you. And it took him out of wrestling for combined like three and a half years or so, which is a long time in wrestling. And it's not made him bad per se, he's still pretty good. But it definitely put some wear and tear on him, that's for sure. And I think another big part of it is, you know, like you said, Sarah, his billing compared to others of his generation, he's never been a main event, you know, singles guy. He's basically been, you know, a mid-carter or upper-mid-carter for his entire career. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, he's a record-time X-Division champion. The Guns have been tag champs in, in TNA and ROH and New Japan, and he has a fantastic match resume, too. But he's never been like a singles main event star like an AJ Styles or Samoa Joe or Brian Danielson and, and had that big run at the top. Um, he was a TNA world champion at one point, but he only held it for a month. And then he lost it back to Bully Ray and that was it. And it didn't mean anything in the long run. So I don't think he has made as much of an impact, um, no pun intended, uh, in people's minds as far as like star power is concerned. So, you know, for a guy who is as talented as he is, and he's so talented is Chris Saban, he has had some you know pretty notable speed bumps in his career that have hindered him, Sarah.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, he was so unfortunate. What, he tore one ACL, and then he had two matches pretty much, and then he tore another one pretty much straight away on the other leg. Like, you have to be one unfortunate son of a gun for that to happen to you, and then for it to happen again, like, eight years later is is really rough but i think he's fought through it so well i mean people would have forgiven him for retiring after the second one happening so quickly Um, and for him to come back and even to go to new japan and do the best of super juniors and do the junior tag leagues and and really kind of make a statement in the second half of his career is huge and like he's done guest spots down in the pc he's you know probably been a big mentor for some of the younger talent coming through and agenting and impact the the wealth of knowledge that he must have is incredible and I think we're so lucky that he's decided to come back and have another go of it after a massive injury and I don't think anyone you know when when they saw them win the, the tag belts and they saw them come back at impact I think everyone was just so happy for him to come back to a company where he made his name and to have that second run and then like a new lease of life. It's it's so heartwarming.
0: Well that's why I wanted to do this series, you know, it's it's to showcase the good moments and the positives because there are a lot of positives about Chris Sapin, you know, plenty of great matches and great moments and memories. And you know, whenever I see him in interviews too, he's always very upbeat and optimistic and respectful and which, you know, for a veteran like him and uh <laughs> you know, just just calling him a veteran is is a weird thought in and of itself, but you know, for a veteran like him Two decades in, late 30s, you want that kind of mentality. You want that optimism, that respect, and that positive outlook so we can pass it along to the next group of guys coming down the pike. But um, but um yeah, before we get to the themes here, Sarah, do you remember the first time you ever saw Chris Saban?
2: I wish I did. I was actually kind of thinking, like, when was the first time I would have seen him? And to be honest, I, I feel quite bad because it's actually my, my older brother, James, who's probably a bigger Saban fan than me and I kind of took took the limelight from him when talking with Saban and <laughs> um, like he was a huge fan of his like he was the first first one out of all of us to watch TNA so he was just probably watching him in probably 2006 and then I was just like in the room when it was on I was like oh my god look at this guy look at that hesitation drop kick it's so good um but like they think that when I really started getting into Saban was probably 2008 um and I know it was like a really weird time because the guns weren't being pushed at all an impact but I just saw him I was so captivated by him and I went and just looked him up on the internet I bought any PWG DVD he was on any Ring of Honor DVD he was on any indie any promo that was put up online you know I was part of like a Chris Saban fan forum on a website like anything Saban I just consumed and it was just from then on like that's been what, like 12 years ago like, I was to Chris Sabin, what other teenagers are to boy bands. <laughs> and I think I've carried that on through adulthood now, so.
0: Yeah, I've known about Sabin for almost as long as I've been a wrestling fan. Because um, I discovered TNA in 04, and that's where I discovered Chris Sabin. Uh, I think it was uh, Ultimate X2 was the first match I ever saw him in. And I became a fan of his right away, pretty much. Uh, I loved his athleticism, his moves. His uh, his white meat babyface appeal. um, The hesitation dropkick, of course, as you mentioned. And, you know, when he formed the Guns with Shelly, they became one of my favorite tag teams because they were just so much fun to watch and so damn cool. And, you know, when I was coming up with the list of matches for September of Saban, it was pretty hard, you know, because between his single stuff in the 2000s and the Guns matches, he's been in quite a few bangers. And if I can accomplish anything with this series here it's to convey just how great Chris Sabin can be in the ring.
2: I think you're going to do a great job. It's so hard to do though.
0: Okay, let's get to these theme songs here. And, uh, you know, preparing this episode and, and doing the research here for it, I realized that Chris Saban has a lot of theme songs. Um, I believe the technical term for it is a metric fuckton. And originally I wanted to do a Motor City Machine Guns episode and bring in Shelly's themes, but he also... ...has a metric fuck-ton of themes. So I decided to just focus on Sabin here for this one. And we'll still discuss, you know, a good amount of themes. uh, Pretty much just the TNA and later ROH ones. But I wanted to do what I did way back on the Chris Jericho episode... ...and take a good chunk of his themes, uh, primarily his indie themes... ...and smoosh them all together into a medley. And just talk about the medley. So we can get those themes out of the way... But still acknowledge them. Which I think is a fair deal, Sarah?
2: Yeah, I think this episode is be four hours long if we were to go through everyone.
0: <laughs> so let's begin uh, with the medley. It's about five minutes long, so uh, get your popcorn ready, folks. Uh, this is what I'm calling the Chris Sabin various theme songs we won't discuss in detail, but still want to mention medley. Hit it, Johnny.
1: A plant, an anesthetic beneath the hail of contraband.
0: Okay, so here are the songs in the medley Invalid Litter Department by At the Drive In, Headstrong by Trapped, The Leaving Song Part 2 by AFI, Falling Away by Dope, Ghost Along the Mississippi by Down, Disciple by Slayer, Flowing by 311, Offbeat Bear Ass by 311, Beautiful Disaster by 311, Six Barrel Shotgun by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Revelations by Audio Slave. She Builds Quick Machines by Bubba Revolver Flight Fight by The High Crusade Scare by Gabriel Kandani, Hiram Patrick Hernandez Jr. and Alexis Marie Salazar and finally Upset Army by Christian Fitness Now some of those were Alex Shelley themes because uh, Sabin was teaming with Shelley at the time so he did use those but for the most part those are singles themes and we can discern a few things from the medley here. Uh, number one, he really likes 311. That's pretty evident. And and to be fair to him, you know, who among us hasn't had a 311 phase at some point in our lives, right? I mean, I still like Amber. I still like their cover of Love Song. So, you know, Sarah, I can see where he's coming from.
2: Because of Chris Saban, I was a massive 311 fan. Again, I blame wrestling for all of my music taste, good and bad. <laughs> um like I wanted to go to 311 Day, I got all my friends into three eleven, and then a few years later I was like, Okay, actually half of these songs aren't very good. <laughs> I think I just wanted to like them because Chris Aven liked them so much. But beautiful disaster is still a banger, I will I will still say that. I still listen to that regularly.
0: And uh, number two, he really likes hard rock Metal, post-hardcore, noise rock, that sort of stuff, and much like with the Jericho medley, that does you know tip off what we'll discuss later on with these themes here. Uh, You know, for the most part, this is his career genre of music.
2: Yeah, and I actually, it's weird. I never, when you look at Chris Saban, he doesn't look like that sort of guy. I know you shouldn't judge people on how they look. You know, and and music taste because that's that never really matches up. But he just doesn't seem like the hard metal type of guy. You know, he's very soft-spoken. You know, he's just very calm and he feels very gentle. But then you just, you know, he puts in his AirPods or whatever and and it's Headstrong (laughs) blaring out. When I saw Headstrong in there, I was like, of course he had that as entrance view.
0: Well, listen, listen. It's the 2000s indie boom. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) how many guys are coming out to Headstrong? 100, 200 at least? You know, it was the era. And much like with Jericho coming out to, you know, with the 80s and 90s metal, that was appropriate for his era and his age. Sabin coming out to, you know, Headstrong and Audio Slave and 311, like, that, that works for him.
2: They're all so original.
0: <laughs> um, now, we'll see a few of these bands later on as well, uh, namely The High Crusade and Christian Fitness. And The High Crusade, no spoilers, but... Keep them in mind, because there's a rather close connection, shall we say, to Chris Sabin with that band, Sarah.
2: Pretty close.
0: <laughs> Alright, let's get to our first proper theme here. Uh, this is Chris Saban's first theme in TNA Wrestling. Uh, he debuted there in April of '03 with just two years experience under his belt, and a month in, he won his first X Division title, so uh, earmarked for success early on. Uh, His first theme is by, of course, Dale Oliver off of NWA TNA The Music Volume 2. This is Modern Oz. So this definitely feels like a sharp left turn, uh, going from a medley of just straight up you know, metal and post hardcore and 311 and all that stuff, to this, with the slow fade in with the frenetic strings in there and it builds and builds and then you get these uh, crunchy guitar stabs and it sounds all dingy and industrial. I think combining these two styles makes for a rather unique sounding song. Um, not a very long one, mind you, but certainly uh, unique in some sense. Uh, and we'll see in a bit that Dale Oliver will use this as a base for Saban's next theme. So we'll build on it. But what do you think of just the basic modern Oz, Sarah? It's pretty strange given just, you know, the majority of Saban's other themes.
2: It has a bang of Dale Oliver on it. That's all I say. You know, straight away, you know who composed that. Um, yeah, it's like you said it, it is just pretty it's pretty strange um but it, it's again it's kind of tna of the time with those with those noises in it they kind of added that to every song and they all kind of sounded alike <laughs> um but yeah it's just very bland but i suppose yeah chris Aben coming in you know two years in the biz that's kind of the song you get you're not going to get a nice um clean i am like aj had or or something you're going to kind of be given that and then. If you got a bit better, they'd probably add more layers on like they did. Um, there's nothing really to say about it. It's very kind of, yeah, there it is, Modern Oz. Um, I probably had it on my phone as a ringtone at some point. But um, yeah, I, like, I don't really actually have much to say on it. But it's, you know, it was a good base.
0: Yeah, my feeling is if you're going for a darker tone, something like that's more ominous, it does accomplish that. Um, my analogy is that it's like, the music for a secret society in a steampunk young adult novel. that That's the vibe I get here. Um, my problem, though, is that it doesn't really reflect Chris Sabin. Like, like he's not a dark, gloomy, you know, ominous character at all. He's just Chris Sabin. He's a cocky young gun. So, this music is, um, no TNA pun intended, a Styles Clash. You know, whereas Jeff Jarrett's My World or... Like, like you said, AJ Styles' I Am or Abyss' theme, those all fit the characters so well. This one, uh, not really. And in fact, I believe it was also used by some other people before him. I think like Zach Gowan and a few other random guys had this one very briefly. So it's not like this is even a Chris Saban original, Sarah.
2: Yeah, you can tell that this wasn't really put together with Saban in mind. It was kind of like, okay, Dale, what do you have in the tank for this guy that's debuting for us? And he was kind of just given it. Um, And then they try and make a fit more towards them later on.
0: Well, in November of 03, Sabin gets a new theme song, also by Dale Oliver. And actually, there are three versions of this theme that we'll discuss. Uh, The first one he had for quite a while, until August of 06. Let's hear the first version of Hail Sabin. Hail Sabin! So I think this theme is the one that people remember the most as Sabin's singles theme. Uh, probably their first Sabin theme in general as well. It was mine back in 04. A lot of great memories with this theme song. And I mentioned how Dale Oliver took Modern Oz as a bass and built on it to make Hill Saban. Well he did do just that uh, because the song is still in there. You can hear the strings and the horns and the guitar stabs and whatnot, not now you've got this whole cacophony of noise in there with more percussion and the hell Sabin! chants and the the evil, spooky, satanic chanting in there too, the Ah, oh,
1: shit! Oh, that this shit!
0: And I think, you know, as a song, I do enjoy it a lot more than Modern Oz because it does feel more complete and there is a greater sense of urgency to it as well, which fits a guy like Sabin. Um, I still don't know if the connotations of like the dark demonic chanting or whatever. I don't know if they really fit Sabin all that well, but I still like the song in and of itself. Um, what about you, Sarah?
2: I like the Hail Saban because I feel like that gave every Saban fan still to this day. It's kind of like that secret code word. If you're a Saban fan, or like Sabin more than Shelly even, you're kind of like, Hail Saban, And it's like, yeah, Hail Saban. It's like, there we go, connection made already. But yeah, it, it's a weird, it's a weird, like the chants. I don't understand the chants. Like you have Chris Saban coming out. Now he has, well, let's say he has a short blonde hair, the spikes, he has the alien gear on, has a jacket. You know, he's the kind of cocky young guy who plays video games backstage. And and it's just this weird satanic chanting. Like it's, it's like, is he, like he's definitely part of a cult or something. Like that's what, like if you were to hear that and not see him, you'd be like, okay, this guy is in a cult. Like, it's like the Ministry or something, um, with the Hail sabin at the start, that they all have to, like, bow and Hail Saban. It's, like, it is an improvement, because, like you said, it's like a more complete song. But, yeah, I'm very concerned that they think Chris Sabin was in a cult.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, on the one hand, the whole Hail Saban thing, it does give the song an actual link to Chris Saban and make it his own, in a way. And it is fun to chant as well. I get that. But again, he didn't have a spooky, satanic character. Like, yeah, the name Sabin is close to Satan. But he wasn't doing animal sacrifices or wearing pentagrams. He was just Chris Sabin. So the spooky devil monk vocals or whatever, yeah, they fill out the song. But there's still a big contrast there between the wrestler and the theme.
2: Yeah, like like Saban is even as proof. Like he's just a nerd who loves to play video games. Like it's from Final Fantasy. He's not some weird guy who's underneath them um, bridges at night doing weird stuff that you'd probably report to the to the police about. And yeah, yeah, it's it's something.
0: Well, I remember too that for a time they were billing him as being from Hell, Michigan, which is a real place, by the way. So it was like they wanted to have their cake and eat it too. They wanted to have the hell and Satan connections there without actually committing to doing a Satan gimmick. Which, to be honest, I'm glad they didn't do that and just kept Saban as himself. But just, you know, I find it a bit weird that TNA of all places went half and half with it.
2: Yeah, I can't really imagine Saban coming out like, God, I suppose James Mitchell was there. They could have put him with him wearing eyeliner and a (laughs) a cape and you know, holding candles or something. I don't know why he's Gangrel now, but, um, I, you know, it doesn't work. Saban's either going to be the cool guy, baby face, who's really relatable to the fans, or he's going to be the cocky young upstart who hates the fans and hates old people in wrestling. So, yeah, it just doesn't work.
0: Uh, the second version of Hail Saban uh, debuted in August of 06 and was around for about a year. So let's hear Hail Saban version 2. Hey! So we keep the Hail Saban chants, which is fine because those work, but we get rid of the modern Oz bass and go with a new song. And for you 311 heads out there, this would sound familiar to you because it's basically just the two-chord riff from Offbeat Bearass," which we played in the medley earlier. Dun, 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 dun. It's just that over and over and over again with Hail Saban put over it, So, not the most dynamic song in the world, and gun to my head, I do prefer the first version of Hail Sabin. but this was only around for a year anyway, before the guns took over, so it's not that big of a deal, I guess, Sarah.
2: Yeah, obviously at the time I liked it because I thought 311 were cool, Um, and I thought it was cool. They were incorporating his indie music, and like, yes, they care about what he's doing on the indies. But like you said, it is just that repetitive riff over and over again. And it, it kind of gets grating after a while, because it's like the song never actually starts properly, because that's just the start of offbeat offs and, and then they go into um, just inane ramblings in that song. Um, so it's kind of like you're waiting for it to pick up again, and it just never does. And it leaves you wanting more, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least it makes sense with the 311 tie-in. And all that, but uh, but yeah, it's definitely a lot more generic, and doesn't really hit you all that well. Um, Although I do like to imagine, you know, Chris Saban going up to Dale Oliver and being like, "Can you make me a 311 theme?" And and Country Boy Dale is like, "Uh, okay, (laughs) same two chords in this song. Great, super easy. There you go."
2: (laughs) Oh my God, Dale Oliver listening to 311, just trying to find one, and he's probably went through like. 10 or 20 of them just being like, nope, 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 (laughs) this one. Yeah, there we go. I can replicate that.
0: So for the final version of Hail Saban, we will jump ahead a few years to May 2013. uh, Because between versions 2 and 3, Saban was in the guns, and he used the guns theme songs. And uh, eventually, Saban had his second ACL tear, and Alex Shelley left the company. Uh, Ergo, no more guns. So Sabin is now back from injury with this new version. Uh, This is off of the EP TNA Delirium. This is Hail Sabin version three. So this is the first new Chris Sabin singles theme in six years or so. And they do the thing where they link back to the past and to the older theme, but they also update it and put a new spin on it. So there is that little section where they incorporate the original Hail Sabin bits with the string and the guitar stabs and the Hail Sabin, but they add in this new drum pattern on top of it and they get rid of the unholy chanting as well. And the bulk of the song is this new section with, like, a rock guitar-synth-hybrid thing that has nothing to do with the old Hail Saban theme. Um, actually, it reminds me a lot of the old Christian Cage theme, Takeover, that similar sound. So I get what they're going for here. Uh, this is a new era of Chris Sabin, but we still want to harken back to the old one. That said, I don't really feel this one, Sarah.
2: Yeah, I feel like Chris Saban has been done dirty here by CNA with all of his singles themes because none of them just really hit the heights of anything. Like you mentioned the, the Christian Cage one, like just how good and iconic is that? Like people hold that up there with waterproof blonde as being really good. But Saban just got a, like a rough end of the deal. Like I do like the Hale Sabans. I think that's like a really untouchable part of his music and it's something that everyone remembers. But it really does feel like another off-the-shelf theme that doesn't really match him in any way it doesn't really tell you about Saban and you know about his character and his just anything about him at all and I feel like teams are really important obviously you, you do a whole podcast on it so you know like themes are important they tell you about the person that you're about to see and this just didn't for Saban
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe part of it has to do with me not really looking back on that era of TNA very fondly. But the song, you know, it's just, there's not much to write home about with this one. I mean, you know, for as much as I was a little confused as to the practicality of the demonic chanting, at least that was a neat little hook for the song and made it a bit more memorable. But again, you know, that final run of Chris Sabin and TNA, it was a real whimper instead of a bang so it kind of goes hand in hand Sarah
2: yeah it's it's one that I've nearly kind of erased from my memory like I I don't think I've actually heard this team since he left like I have no recollection I haven't really actually watched anything back from that era um I haven't even watched back his his world title win which really should be a really important moment in his career and something that we should all look back on fondly but No, like no Saban fans ever really talk about it because, like you said, it was for a month and under a really dubious, like a a dubious storyline of Buddy Ray, which was pretty bad looking back. And like again, Saban deserves better. (laughs) He deserved a proper run at least with a with a proper with a proper feud. Um, yeah, like it's just it was a bad time in TNA in general. Um, I don't think there's really any good teams from that era, and I think Saban was just stuck with this bad one too.
0: Yeah, I mean, even he admits in interviews now that it was too early for him to win the belt, and it was a bad decision. And, you know, right after he loses it, he's back in the X Division, like nothing happened. And his final feud in the company even was against his girlfriend at the time, Velvet Sky. So combined with the injuries, you know, those last few years really ended things on a sour note. Yeah. So we covered Sabin's singles themes in TNA. Uh, let's now switch gears and talk about the Motor City Machine Guns TNA themes. And to do that, we'll go back in time to August of 07. That's when the guns became an actual thing in TNA with the name Motor City Machine Guns. And their first theme uh, by Dale Oliver, they had August of 07 to March of 08 off of Meltdown, the music of TNA Wrestling Volume 2. This is 1967. So I remember when the guns became a thing in TNA, and, and I was all in on them. They immediately became like my favorite tag team at the time. And the theme song was part of the package, because it was just like them. It was intense, it was fast-paced, the machine gun stinger, the main riff, na 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 sounds like the constant barrage of a machine gun firing. And it was meant to get your blood pumping, just like the guns did in their matches. And if you're wondering why this song is called 1967, this is a ripoff of a song called 1977 by a band called Bang Bang, who are from Detroit. So a little tie in there to the Motor City. Um, not the most creative writing from Dale Oliver, I'd say, uh, just literally changing one number from seven to six, but still, uh, you know, the first Guns theme does a good job of capturing their energy and their styles there.
2: Yeah, this is by Far. Actually, my favorite Guns theme. I don't know if it's because of nostalgia or I just love the energy the song brings, and and I like how it's like a, you know, it's not just a song everyone knows. Like I don't know many people who would know who Bang Bang are. You know, I only am aware of the song because again, when I was younger, I was such you know I dove into all the detail I could, and I found the original. I still have it in my YouTube favorites of nineteen seventy seven. Um, I think just just it epitomizes them and full in this song. It's just hard. It, it's fast paced. It's 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 hard. It's it's just everything that you wanted from from a theme song. And I was actually really gutted when they stopped using it after such a short time. And the only thing I can think of is because it just sounds exactly like the original. Like if you listen to the two side by side, there's very little difference except for <laughs> the like the the change in year. Back in 1977,
1: born with punk rock, simply said, what the fuck?
2: But it, it's such a brilliant theme, and it, it's one that I would still listen to. You know, it's repetitive, but in the best way. Like, it, you don't really get sick of it. You could hear them just say "1967" and go "where, where, where." Like, you could just keep listening to that. It's so catchy.
0: And there's something to be said too about the punk overtones of the song. Like, it's based on a hardcore punk song. The song is about punk rock in '77 and the debut of Black Flag and the Misfits. And if you look back, there was that same punk mentality in a way with the Guns in terms of them being like these young, hungry guys with a lot of talent, a lot to prove, but the company just would not get behind them and tap them on the shoulder. They're not the team in the company. That's Beer Money, or that's Team 3D, or LAX, or the Main Event Mafia. And it would take them like three whole years until they won the tag belts and became the team. And until then, they just kept doing what they were doing and being themselves and building up their own fan base. So the choice of genre, it fits their theme history so well. It fits the guys own musical tastes so well, but it also works as part of their story too.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think actually from here on out, I really think the music it's really like, you really get the Shetty feel from it as well. Um, like Six Barrel Shotgun would have been played earlier in the, um, in the medley. And it, it kind of, goes back to that i think it, it's kind of had that similar feel six Marl shotgun um and it really does just give that authentic feel like like you said at this time you know they were everyone's favorite tag team because they're doing something so new and so fresh and everyone was just screaming for tna to put the belts on them like why aren't they putting the belts on them like they're the people everyone wants to see like i even think i remember was it mcfody who said that like the guns were like his son's favorite wrestlers and stuff and um, like everyone was just so hyped on the guns, and then they go into like the storyline of remember Frontline? I know I do. I do. I <laughs> do. Good old front, good old Frontline, and they were loosely associated with them, but they were just so sick of everyone and so bored. And and that's just the guns, and the song really does just epitomise them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and much like with many punk rockers, they've now grown up and become elder statesmen. You know, they're the veterans now in their late 30s, which is just, it's so crazy to think about. And I i look in the mirror and it's like, oh my God, there's gray hairs coming in. And it's like, oh, take me back to, to 07. Please, please, I beg of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do have actually a, a little personal story here about this song. Uh, you mentioned being into uh, 1977 because of the theme. Uh, like I said, I was totally obsessed with the Guns when they started teaming up together. And before this Meltdown album dropped, it was my mission in life to get this theme song. And like every day I would look online, where is the song? When's it coming out? And a few times I would be on like a forum or YouTube or whatever, and someone would post Motor City Machine Guns theme song. And I, of course, would download it. And (laughs) what it would be was this person took the machine gun stinger, but after that, they just slowed down 1977 by bang bang. So it was literally psh, back in 1977. Da, 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 and I was like, God damn it, they tricked me. <laughs> I was so disappointed, but uh, eventually it did come out and I was a happy boy. Um, so those were the days, Sarah. Those were the days uh, of, of waiting and waiting and waiting for themes to drop so
2: yeah zylot themes is always my go-to and i'd always hate when you'd go on to it and it was like oh the new theme's up but it's actually just like the recording off the television and you just hear the announce you just hear the announcers talking over it, and you're like that's not what i wanted i want a nice clean rip of it (laughs) now obviously they weren't ever going to get it you know i would go on like the night after a theme would debut and expecting a nice clean version to be there (laughs) of course it should be there but it never did um God, people have it so easy these days, getting themes nicely uploaded to Spotify after a few weeks.
0: Or in some cases, you know, if it's a production library theme, you don't have to wait for it to come out. You can just look it up in a database and there it is. That That's the result of actual wrestling composers being de-emphasized and relying more on library songs. The songs are available, you know, right away. Um, they do lack that original spark, sure, but you get them right away. So there is that trade-off.
2: Yeah, and you can just watch a TV show the next day and you're like, is that that person's theme in the background? Yeah. <laughs> always great fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is that a Spike TV commercial with Hardcore Holly's theme? Why, yes, it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's always Hardcore Holly's theme. It, it, it's no. always
0: that or the Hardy Boys, you know, one of those two, one of those two. Um, but anyway, uh, so the second Guns TNA theme was around for almost two years, from March of 08 to October of 09. Started out as an instrumental and later on got vocals. Uh, this was never officially released, but it did make its way online eventually. Uh, this is Dale Oliver with Party with the Motor City. <laughs> So, out of the three TNA Machine Guns themes, this is definitely the one that I care about the least. Um, partly because it replaced 1967, and at the time I was very upset about that. No, how could you do this, you bastards? Ah. <laughs> but, you know, looking at it today, it's a decent enough song, I suppose. The problem I have with it, though, is that it's going from hardcore punk with the previous song to now pop punk. And when you do that, it dulls the edge of the blade, and it doesn't have the same punch as before. Now I get that there are faces here, but I think this is a little too smiley and a little too upbeat for a Motor City Machine Guns theme. Uh, What do you think, Sarah?
2: I'm so happy you've said this. I hate this song with a passion. I always have. And it just, the the lyrics especially, it was like, I want to live in the Motor City. I'm going to fight it. It won't be pretty. I'm going to party in the Motor City tonight. It's like, what is this? Like, what are you talking about? You're going to fight. You're It's not going to be pretty. Like, you're wrestlers. Of course, it's not going to be pretty. And then you're going to go party in the Motor City tonight like this isn't the guns like like I'm not picturing the guns going out to nightclubs and partying they're going to grungy clubs like like you know bars and listening to punk music and you know it's sl- like just slimy places they're not going to these clubs and partying it up in the Motor City oh I really hated this and I hated <laughs> that I had it for so long because like This was their team for so many of their good matches as well. So you have to enjoy this team when they're going out. Uh, I hope my anger is getting through because... Oh, it's getting
0: through. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, I don't hate a lot of things in this world, but I hate this team and I wish they never had it.
0: It's definitely a much more palatable and pop-friendly song for the masses than the previous one is. You know, you go from... To, da-na-na-na, da-na-na-na. There is that noticeable melodic shift. And the same with the vocals, too. The vocals went from 1967, 1967, to I'm gonna live in the Motor City. I'm gonna fight and it won't be pretty. I'm gonna party with the Motor City tonight. And there's the hey, hey, background vocals. It's very much a Nintendo-rated-E-for-everyone machine guns theme. And look, I'm not saying it's a bad song per se. But yes, to me, it does sap a lot of that punk attitude and aggression and spirit that the guns were supposed to have. And there should be some of that in a guns theme, Sarah, you know?
2: Yeah, like I think this team could have worked for, you know, another up-and-coming young babyface team you know, definitely, you know, just starting off fresh, you know, seven-footing to TNA. I don't know who, but like, you know, just younger guys, but like, at this point in their career, like Sable and Shelley, they're a little bit older, you know, they've been around the block, you know, they both had X-Division title wins, you know, yeah, they're still young, but they've been around and they have that bit of edge to them, they have a chip on their shoulder, that they needed that bit of aggression that 1967 had, and I think if they maybe started out with this team and then went to 1967, it would be a lot more palatable. But it's the fact that they went from such a good team that fitted them so perfectly to this. It was just a massive letdown.
0: Uh, well, our criticisms toward the song are not alone, by the way. Uh, this is from a Q&A done by Kevin Eck for The Baltimore Sun with Alex Shelley on uh, April 16th, 2009. So when they had this theme song, the question is, The Motor City Machine Guns have some interesting entrance music. What are your thoughts on it? Did you have a hand in selecting it? And uh, this is Alex's response. uh, Quote, Without saying anything negative, I can tell you that we had absolutely no hand in creating that music whatsoever. You can draw from this what you will, but there are no fingerprints of ours on that music whatsoever. That music was completely given to us. So, he doesn't say anything bad about it, technically, but you know, read between the lines and you'll get the gist of what Alex and uh, probably Chris, too, think of this song, Sarah.
2: Yeah, I think they had Alex Shetty all wrong because I always remember he, like Alex Shetty's single theme as well. Both of them have that pretty bad look. Like his one was inspired by YouTube's The Fly. And I always remember, I think he said it in his live journal. He's like, why the hell do they think I like you too? Like what, like, what do they think I am? So they clearly just haven't been able to get a read on Saban and Shelley at all.
0: If I'm being honest, I like that song. I can't lie. But, but yeah, it was a strange mix of, of band and wrestler for sure. Um, so the final TNA, Motor City Machine Guns theme we'll discuss uh, is the one that they've had the longest and still have to this very day. Now that they're back in TNA, this is by Dale Oliver, Serge Salinas, and Adam Skaggs off of Emergence, the music of TNA wrestling. This is Motor City. I feel confident in saying that this is the definitive Motor City Machine Guns theme. This is the one. Because I think it does exactly what 1967 does in that it captures the essence of the guns in the song. Uh, the energy, the punk attitude, the tenacity, the pace, all that stuff. But it does it better, in my opinion. You know, similar to Hale Saban being the step up for Modern Oz, this song is the step up from 1967. And that is just a more complete song. You know, and it manages to have a a fun atmosphere to it as well, but it doesn't go too far overboard into the pop territory like the party theme did. It still maintains an edge. So, all in all, this is a home run theme as far as the guns go, Sarah.
2: Yeah, it's really good. Like, you can tell that it's really just guns inspired. And I think, like you said, it is the quintessential guns theme, and it's the one that everyone goes to at first. When they think about the guns, I think especially younger fans as well, that this would be the one that they'd recognize. And like the lyrics in that are are really good. Like it's a complete step up from the previous one. You know, it really does relate to them. Like I always really like the chase my dreams, now I'm chasing memories bit. Like I was like, yeah, that's the guns now. Like like, they're wrestlers now, they chase their dreams, and now they want to make memories. They want to go on and win the TNA tag titles. They want to go on and just do big things. And it just really summed up the guns and it is a really catchy tune as well. Like it's it's a good song, as you know, it's not just a theme. Like you could actually just listen to it on on your iPod or, or whatever. Um yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a big step up from the previous one. Um, and it's it's good that it's like an original song. Like as much as I love 1967, it was the classic. TNA ripping off a song and just making it a theme, whereas this one just feels really authentic.
0: Yeah, it manages to prop up both the guns and Detroit as well. Um, Everybody wants to be just like me. Fame and fortune is their fantasy. I gotta get back where the life was pretty, rocking all the way to the Motor City. So it's propping up the guns as these big deals, as these stars, but what they look up to is the Motor City. That's their star. Need a little Detroit in my soul. Let me get back to the life I know, where the music's rockin' and the girls are pretty, Motor City. And, you know, the Guns, they obviously wear their love for Detroit on their sleeves, so it would make sense then that their theme song would focus on them and their fondness for Detroit, Sarah.
2: Like, if you watched the Guns back then, I don't know about you, but maybe it's because I'm from Ireland. I wanted to go to Detroit, because I'm (laughs) like, the Guns make it sound so cool. Now, now that I'm a bit older, I'm like, I don't know why I'd go to Detroit. Maybe to see the Red Wigs. I don't know. But I wanted to go to Detroit. I even bought the, you know, the made in Detroit stuff they wore, the Kid Rock brand. You know, I got, I got Christmas presents with the hoodies, the t-shirts, because I wanted to be like the guns. You know, looking back, I'm like, that was probably a really poor decision. The amount of money I spent on that stuff and import tax and everything. But, like, they made Detroit seem like this magical place, which I don't really think it is. I'm going to offend so many people by saying that, but, you know. Don't
0: worry about it. Trust me, it's seen better days. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah, so
2: I've heard. So I've
0: heard. Well, the thing about this song, too, is that it's got staying power, you know, because when they came back this year at Slammiversary, they came back with this song, which I think is pretty cool because, you know, there really aren't that many Dale themes left in Impact anymore. They're almost all gone. Um, It's like this rhino Tommy Dreamer and I believe Hernandez are the only Dale Oliver themes left in impact, which is pretty sad, to be honest with you, you know, but, um, you know, that's, that's the landscape we're living in these days. So there you go.
2: Yeah, I think it would have been weird for the guns to come back with a complete new theme because I think the guns going back, it is like that throwback. You know, the guns are reuniting for the first time in over six years. Um and it just would have felt strange for them with a new theme, like they're not a new fresh tag team on the scene. You know, they are the kind of tag team of old as much as it pains me to say that. Um, you know, so it makes sense that they come back with their old team. You know, they're 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 going down the nostalgia line now. Like everyone's watching the guns for nostalgia, you know, they're they're it back to, to yesteryear when you know, when we are all a bit younger, when they were younger, when we're all this obsessed with, with Saban Shelley and wants to be exactly like them. And all the wrestlers, even at the wrestling, currently wants to be like them. You know, I don't think there's a tag team out there that hasn't been inspired by them, even just a little bit. And so this team just kind of puts all that in one. So it it just makes so much sense for them to come back with that.
0: Uh, Adam Skaggs, by the way, uh, he's done a few other themes for the company. Uh, He did Cross the Line which was an Impact TV theme, and he also did uh, Suicide's old theme, Coming Alive. So, you know, 2009 TNA was his time to shine, that's for sure.
2: (laughs) Got in a video game too then, didn't he? Was that in the video game?
0: I think so. Um, Oh, you know what? I think Cross the Line was in the game, but not the Suicide theme. I I think that theme debuted on TV, so there you go. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, there was as well a reworked version of Motor City that was used very briefly in April of 2012 after Saban came back from his uh, first ACL tear. It's available on TNA Deliver, so let's hear the reworked version of Motor City. <laughs> Not much to say about this one, uh, they didn't really touch the music here, they just focused on the vocals, where they took out a bunch of you know, the lyrics and mushed the verses together, uh, added some, some echo effects too, so it's more a case of just like shuffling things around instead of big sweeping changes, which I guess you know begs the question why they did this in the first place, Sarah?
2: You know what I kind of, re- first of all, I don't even remember this being used, but again, it was such a short time. But it actually reminds me of, like, Metal in a weird way. That, like, Edge's theme is actually, it's kind of the opposite. That's reworked and it starts off with the chorus. But then the actual proper version of Metal is different. And it kind of reminds me of that. It's like, it, it's kind of backwards. You know, it starts off with, with this, you know, it's, it's like a first chorus rather than, you know, that high impact stuff at the start. It's just, it's very strange. Very strangely re- reworked. I don't know why they did it.
0: Mm. But again, you know, it was only on TV for like once or twice. And then it was gone because Alex went to New Japan and teamed with Kushida. And then Sabin went, you know, single. And when the guns came back a few months ago, it was with the original version of the song. Not this one. So this uh, reworked version, it's kind of lost to the uh, sands of time, I suppose. But uh, anyway, Chris Sabin left TNA in 2014. And then the next year... He goes to ROH as a heel and is part of the ill-fated Knights of the Rising Dawn storyline with Kazarian and Daniels. Uh, Saban's singles theme during this tenure, about uh, mid to late 2015, is by a band called The High Crusade, who we played in the medley earlier. Now, who are The High Crusade? Well, they're a band that's made up of Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, and P.D. Williams. That was their band. Uh, Saban on bass... PD on guitar, and Alex on vocals. And there were some other guys, too, who, you know, filled out the rest of the band. So, naturally, one of those guys is going to feature their music as their entrance theme. It was a given. Uh, This is off of their first album, It's Not What You Think. This is called Woodward. So this is a rare heel theme for Chris Sabin, and the music does at least feel like a heel theme. It's got that slower, more deliberate pace to it, has a simmering menace as well. It's the kind of song that you would hear in a movie if you were walking into like a seedy bar on the outskirts of town, and there's mean-looking bikers, and leather jackets, and there's smoke in the air, and it's all slow motion. And the lyrics, uh, this was written in like 2009 or whatever, but They still kinda fit the situation. I never thought I'd see the day when you'd finally fall asleep. You left a long time ago, before you came to talk to me. Open the door, take a look around and run from me. I never had the chance to tell you what you meant to me. Uh, remember, Alex Shelley left Chris Sabin behind in TNA, and went to go to New Japan, and there really wasn't any closure with the guns. And now, there's some bitterness on Sabin's part. Down on your luck again, and bad habits don't come cheap. Scratched up your knees again, you sold your soul to the street. So, we're a long way from rocking all the way to the Motor City, Sarah. This is a darker period of Sabin for sure.
2: Really dark, and it's kind of fitting that it's Alex Shelley's Sigma album, isn't it? It's like a nice little uh, story there. Um, like, when they first, like, when Sabin first used his team, I was kind of like surprised because I just thought the High Crusade were dead in the water. That it was like this one-time thing that the guys did for fun you know they released an album they had a bit of fun they sent out signed cds and that was kind of it they never really thought about it again so when you see Saban walking out with this with this team which you know i actually think is a really good song like it, it's something that you would listen to it's 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 really really catchy um it was just a big surprise but it, it, it fits him so well but i suppose it's because it's his band
0: Yeah, it makes sense given the past few years of his career. Uh, Things haven't been going that well for him. Um, Meanwhile, Shelly is, you know, winning the junior tag belts and and wrestling the Tokyo Dome. And Saban wasn't. You know, he was injured and doing storylines with his girlfriend or whatever in TNA. So I get the heel stuff, even if it didn't really work out in practice. And there's a Detroit connection as well in this song. Uh, It's called Woodward. Woodward Avenue is the most famous street in Detroit. Uh, the first concrete paved road in America, as well, uh, all sorts of theaters and attractions and famous buildings on there. So it's kind of like the heel version of Motor City, where it's putting the location in a negative, bitter context.
2: Oh, I never knew that. That's that's actually really cool, and like it's building up a connection now that I didn't even know about. So that just that just makes it even more cool.
0: It is a bit ironic though, that Saban is supposed to be a heel and feuding with Shelly, but he's coming out to a theme song sung by Alex Shelly. <laughs> you know, it's a bit strange in that regard, but uh, I guess exposure is exposure when you're in a band. So uh, there you go. Um, and Shelly is a good singer too. He's got some pipes on him.
2: Yeah, it's, he has a nice melodic voice, I would say. Um, and of course Shelly was the singer, because Shelly was always the showman of the group, even as a tag team. So for like Shelly to be the singer, it just makes perfect sense. And and Saban on bass, you know, he's that quiet one in the background, just you know playing away. But he's the one keeping the team together. You know, there wouldn't be a band without a bass. You know, bass is very very important to keep everyone in check. Um, so it's kind of like perfect. The mute, like the music they play and the instruments they play, kind of matches up perfectly to who they are. Well, who we perceive them to be as people. Um, and in the tag
0: team. So Saban's heel run uh, does not last long because in early 2016, he turns face and the guns reunite. Hooray! (laughs) And soon after, they start using a new song as their theme. Uh, This is by Christian Fitness, also from the medley, off of the album Love Letters in the Age of Steam. This is a song that has a fantastic title. I love it so much. It's called All Ghosts to Medicine Counter 4. So the guns are returning to their post-hardcore punk rock roots here, with political angst, filling up your master's cup with tart and bland dictators. You asked for innocence, instead a Christmas present, I got you a great book with a foreword by Jeffrey Archer, I misunderstood anyway. Uh, Jeffrey Archer was an English MP who committed perjury. So I have no idea what this has to do with the guns themselves. Um, but the line, all ghosts to medicine counter Four is a cool little line, and this is a cool little song. Um, again, I don't know if there's any storyline or character significance for the Guns, but as far as a song that they would likely pick as their own theme, then yeah, it makes sense in that regard, Sarah.
2: Yeah, it's very much so older Guns, isn't it? You know, it, it kind of, you can imagine them, like, sitting backstage, and this is the music that they have on whilst they are getting ready for their matches. Like, I don't really have much to say other than it's a really cool song. And like I like you said, it doesn't really have any connection to them. Like, I don't have any kind of strong feelings or memories attached to this theme. Although I'm pretty sure they won the tag belts when they used this, right? Yes. Yeah, like, I, but still, it just kind of feels, I don't know, like, empty in that way. That you just don't have the connection like we did with maybe some of the others. But it's a cool song, though.
0: Yeah, I take it as, like, Alex Shelley looking through his record collection and thinking, hmm, what would be a good theme song? Well, this would be cool. You know, that's yeah, that's kind of it. Which, you know, is kind of an underrated feature of ROH the past few years where they've allowed some guys to come out to music from some lesser-known bands or artists. Um, obviously because it's cheaper to license that stuff, I think. But um, it is kind of cool that they don't go 100% production tracks they do let some bands get some exposure there Sarah so.
2: yeah and I think they were always pretty good with actually advertising it like when the guns would come out or whoever would come out like they'd have it in the in the top right corner to be like this is the song this is the band and to be honest I feel like more companies should do that if they're using outside music I know there is a shift towards like said like production music and, and free music libraries but it was just always so great because we have this connection with music and wrestling and I know if you know, that was a thing over 10 years ago when I was properly getting into wrestling, I would have discovered so many more bands and so many more songs. So I kind of envy the people who are got into wrestling with this, with this, you know, popping up and finding out about all these cool bands.
0: So the final theme of the episode here is when Shelly left ROH and uh, left wrestling in general, really, uh, the summer of 2018, uh, to go on hiatus. And, uh, Focus on education and whatnot. So Chris Sabin, once again a singles wrestler, until he suffered that third ACL tear at the beginning of 2019 and left ROH as well. Uh, This is once again by The High Crusade, because hey, why not, off their most recent album, Main Statement. This is called Dead Weight. So, again, I don't have a ton to say about this one, um, what I will say is that it's got that fast pace that we're used to with the Chris Sabin theme, and it's faster than Woodward is, so I like how that differentiates between the slower, more sinister heel theme in Woodward and the more kick-ass, let's-go face theme in Deadweight. Weight. Um, the lyrics are a bit hard to decipher because of that vocal effect, and there are no lyrics online either, so... Um, I was able to make out stuff like the chorus, which is, Bones will break, and then they start to crumble. I have a hard time getting out of bed. My spine knows that it won't see tomorrow, so don't tell me that it's all in my head. Which, unintentional or not, it does reference Sabin being older and a bit injury prone, shall we say, but I guess, you know, it could also apply to just his high-risk wrestling style in general all sorts of dives and, and whatnot so that works too i guess but overall this is one of those songs that uh is just kind of there in the grand scheme of things sarah
2: yeah like when, when you look back at chris Saban's, it's not going to be one that you're going to think of especially because you know that that last run in ring of honor wasn't exactly great you know everyone just you look know, when you look back on it it's you know oh he got injured again and it was just very sad you know like coming off the back of you know a great um, twenty eighteen for him and like I you know twenty eighteen is one of the years of Saban that I actually look back on quite fondly. So then when you go to this theme, you just there's no memories. I think that's a big thing for me with teams. I like to have memories attached to them. And for this one there isn't. Um, but again I think it's really cool that they get to use, you know, their own songs and music and like the High Crusade, I don't know, like they still hold up for me now. You know, I listened to them again when I was younger because I listened to all things, Shelly and Saban. and um, never went and bought the album because I think it was like seventy-five dollars to get a signed one. And at the time, you know, I just couldn't do that. I was like fourteen. I didn't have seventy-five dollars and I think my parents would have killed me trying to to get <laughs> one. you I mean, like, what what do you need this for? Um so it is cool in that regard that, you know, they get to come out with their own music. The High Crusade, good band. I would still go back and listen to them. Whatever is real, just, you know, I wish he used that one instead because that's a really, really good theme, I think. And I'm surprised that they never, um, you know, came out to that.
0: Here's what gets my attention. It's not the song, it's the album. Because it came out this year, but I believe it was recorded like 10 years ago. And if you look at the album credits... One of the featured musicians is a fellow by the name of Kazuchika Okada. On the opening track, it's like this intro that is like a uh, a radio warning about zombies or whatever. And Okada does like a Japanese voiceover on it. And he's also credited as playing guitar on the album too, which is just nuts. So of all the weird little Kazu things we know about Okada, this might take the kicks there, him being on this album.
2: it's so lovely because it just reminds you of when he was having such a bad time in tna subtle with really bad gimmicks that his old pal Alex and his old pal Chris were there and be like you know what you're having a bad time why don't you come and be in our band for a day <laughs> and, and there's was like he got the whole experience of being friends with the Motor City Machine Guns and then he formed a friendship for life like Shelly always talks about Okada being one of the best and you know, Chris Saban talking about how, like, is his favorite wrestler on New Japan commentary. You know, it, it's just funny to think, like, all of that friendship could have been built in that recording studio.
0: Hey, Kazu, you want to be on the album? And he was like, Scooby-Dooby-Doo, let's go! You know, it's a, it's a very sweet, lovely tale, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, all right, well, those were the Chris Sabin themes. Uh, like I said earlier, currently using the Motor City theme in TNA. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how long this latest Machine Guns run will last. Uh, I know Shelley is a free agent, and Sabin's a producer now in Impact, so you never know when it's going to end. So I think what we should all do is show our love and our appreciation for Chris Sabin and the Motor City Machine Guns as much as we can, because who knows when it all goes away. So Sarah, I'm glad we were able to, you know, show our love for the guy and the team on this episode.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, I think we're definitely the people that are going to look back even in 20 years' time and think, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns are one of the best tag teams ever in wrestling. You know, they may not have the extensive list of matches that other teams have, but I think the impact the impact that they left on the industry is, you know, nearly unmatched. And, yeah, like Saban, the best hesitation dropkick of all time. That's why there's the Saban scale.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, when the young bucks are paying tribute to you in their matches, <laughs> that means something. That means something. Um, all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, thank you, Sarah, for being here. This was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You know, anytime I get to share in Sabin stories and just talk about them a lot it's so good, and I can't wait to read the rest of your series.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, any plugs you want to give, go right ahead
2: yeah so you can follow me at sarah flan on twitter at the two sarahs on twitter and and then you can listen to the podcast journey through gorilla island and there should be you know some new episodes dropping soon and where you can experience the wonderful world of currently 2004 uh, pro wrestling gorilla which is
0: a time and Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can check out all the great podcasts on there at VoicesofWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can discuss this or past episodes at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesofWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesofWrestling.com slash donate. And click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're the best. And finally, rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, Sarah, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thanks. Alright, for Sarah Flannery, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys.